Hola mi gente, welcome to HEPA Talk. This is your host, Jasmine Luchis. Hola mi gente, welcome back to our podcast. And today I have my beautiful amiga, Atelaya, also known as Hair by a Blonde. Hello. <laughs> It's going to be a little awkward because we're both new to this whole <laughs> podcasting, but I think it's going to be super, super funny. Um, so what I want to talk about today is talk about your story. I feel like your story is very inspiring. I love hearing it all the time. I, myself, am always inspired by the things that you have accomplished and the things that you do within the community. And I would love for everybody else to hear it. So are you excited to let everybody kind of into your life? I'm excited and nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start off by, tell me a little bit about you for them to kind of get to know who Atalaya is. Um. Well, I'm a business owner and a mother and now I'm a wife. Hey. I know. Congratulations. <laughs> I actually knew before everybody else did. <laughs> so I was just waiting for them to announce it already. But how is that? Good. It's good. It's been really good. It feels good to say my husband. And I mean, even though we've been together eight years and have three kids, it's still, I think it just kind of like finally connects us. You like know? it's like, like the full final circle. glue. Yes. Right? That's so exciting. And when you guys decided to do that, was that something that you guys were, like, excited about? Like, finally, the final step, like, let's make everything super official. And Yes. I mean, we were going through a hard time, you know. Um, so I think it just really helped us figure out, like, okay, we don't want to be without each other. We're ready for this next step. And, you know, we have a family. We've been together a long time. And we just need to finally join in marriage to complete our family. And we're ready now, you know. So getting back to your whole inspirational story. So tell me about your childhood. Um, so I was born actually in Austin with my mom. Um, she was a single mom for a while. Uh, her and my dad got divorced. I was a baby. I want to say, I think I was about two that she tells me. So I don't really remember them being together, but they did always get along, um, growing up. So they, which people think is so weird, especially when I met Carlos, he thinks it's so weird that my mom, my dad, my stepmom, his wife, they all like, we'll be in the same place, same room. We get together at my dad's house. People think it's so weird, but my mom and dad have always gotten along uh, growing up. So that was never really an issue for me having divorced parents. And then when I was five, uh, my mom met my stepdad and we moved out to Floresville, Texas. So I grew up my whole childhood in Floresville. So how was it growing up in a small town? Because Floresville is pretty small, right? Yeah, it's pretty small. I mean, it's growing now because of the oil fields, but it was small. I honestly, I mean, it was country. I 
remember moving out there and it was kind of a shock for me because you know we were in an apartment and then I um, moved out to the country and to this like super raggedy <laughs> like house I mean it was just so old and creepy and out in the boonies like <laughs> it was a shock but I mean I was so little it just like became my home and it's weird because when you're little you don't think anything's wrong with that but now looking back I'm like dang like we really lived in some crazy little shack for a while that's crazy um definitely would say because of that did it inspire you in and more ways to like hustle yes and no yes because so i was in that little house for a while um then when my brother was born we bought a trailer a mobile home so tell me a little bit about your life during that time um so we moved into the mobile home um you know i i, I was about eight when my brother was born so that's when we got that. And I mean, that was like a step up because I'm telling you, that house was like a shack. <laughs> so it was cool, you know, um, out there on, so we have like land. So it was like, we had a mobile home on this side and then the house that we lived in before was like in the back. And that's where my stepdad's dad lived. So my brother's grandpa. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we just, you know, uh, it was like pretty regular for the most part um but a lot of things uh like are like i it's hard to talk about sometimes because like i had a good family but you know every family has their issues has their things so um i always tell my story but i always tell my story from when i was divorcing and blah 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 when i had eliana i don't really tell my story from when i was little so it's the first time uh and i i will say because i have heard this story i want to definitely say that you know you're very strong for the things that you've been through and i feel that by you sharing this part of your life it definitely is gonna be something that opens other people's eyes because a lot of us have been through similar situations mm -hmm. and to me, looking at you now and what you've become, it's like it's even more inspiring. So I hope that, you know, you're able to open up and you feel like it's not like a bad thing that you're opening up about it. And, you know, I'm very honored as your friend to have you on and to, you know, share your story in a beautiful way. And so just talking about that point in your life what are one of the things in that period that you would say are definitely very traumatic for you that kind of shaped you into who you are now um well growing up like my mom uh she was a great mom like she was always there for me went to all my school things everything but she did battle her own addiction and demons that we did deal with growing up and mainly I saw it because I'm the oldest, so mm -hmm. I feel like when you're the oldest, you see a lot more than when you have younger siblings. Um, but 
when I was a teen, because me and my brother are about eight years apart, so he had to be like two, maybe three. Um, so I was like nine or ten. Um, my stepdad's dad would take care of us when my mom and him would work. So he would come, he would walk to our mobile home because like we live right there on the same land. And um, it's weird how when things happen to you, you kind of block them out. Like you don't remember mm -hmm. or you choose to, I guess. But so I don't remember exactly when it started, but um, he would just like say things to me. Like, I don't know. I don't just like weird little comments that. At the time, I really didn't catch because I was a little girl, yeah. you know, I was like 10 years old. And then he would try to like touch me and it just started coming, becoming like touching me a little bit here, a little bit on my leg, like just weird things like that. And I didn't know what was going on because I was a little girl. I thought, well, this is just like an old man. Like he's an old, old man. Yeah. Um. And then that's, from that point, I don't know how it started to where he would actually physically, like, molest me. Mm -hmm. Like, he would molest me, um, he would touch me, he would try to take my clothes off. And my brother was little. Like, he was there in the house, but he would be, like, in his room or he would be asleep. And um, it was just very, like frightening for me because he was an adult yeah. and I thought I was doing something wrong. Yeah. You know? And I think most of us tend to feel that way that it's like our fault or like, you know, this is an adult. You kind of have to listen to your elders and mm -hmm. I can definitely relate to how you feel with that. So as this is going on and you're feeling like you're the one that's doing something wrong, when did you finally realize, like, oh, maybe this is really not my fault. This is something that he's doing wrong. Honestly, I think it took me years. Like, I mean, an adult. I was, like, an adult when I finally... Because it was happened. It happened for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. So, um... I mean, he would do things to me, and I don't want to get into that because I think that's a little too graphic, but um, it just was so weird how I could, like, disassociate it. So even, not even just in our home, but, so I would play outside a lot, like, you know, back in those times, I mean, we played, I sound so old saying that, that wasn't that long ago, <laughs> but back, it's in, especially yeah. in the country, like we played outside. So I would run back there to his house, like even like there, like I would run over there because he would have like a candy for me or something. And then he would just like unzip his pants and show me his private and like want me to touch it or, you know, just, it was so weird. And I just felt like so gross. But um, it honestly stopped, which this is really weird. Um, it stopped because he ended up getting, like, prostate cancer. And to me, that's, like, that was, that was your karma. Yeah. You know? And when he died, it was not, I don't want to say hard, but it was kind of 
awkward for me mm-hmm. because my mom didn't know, my stepdad didn't know, nobody knew, but I had to kind of act like I was sad, I guess. And honestly, I wasn't because I felt like I I literally was so young when it was happening to me for those years that I thought like, is this how people have babies or, you know what I mean? Even though that wasn't happening, just him touching me, I thought that, you know, or something like I was so confused, you know? And so when he died, like I really didn't have any emotion. No. So after he died, how did you kind of cope with everything? Like now that he's gone, like to process like everything that happened, everything that he like did. I think I was like, I want to say I was like 12 or 13 when he died maybe. And I don't know, like I said, like it kind of is weird how you just black out everything. Like you kind of suppress everything. Yeah, like you really just move it to a place in your mind where you don't think about it. Mm -hmm. Or it started to become more like, did that really happen to me? Like, did it? You know? And it would just be, I just kind of pushed it away because I dealt with a lot of other things. Um, like I said, my mom, like she dealt with her thing. So we dealt with that as a family for a lot, a lot, a lot of time. Um, I never, I came close one time to saying it, like telling my parents, um, because there was a situation one time where my sister came over and, um, like, again, I'm little, like, I'm young, so I don't understand what's going on, you know? Like, I think, like, oh, I don't, honestly, I don't even know how to explain your mind at that age when something like that happens yeah. to you. Um, only people who have happened to it, you. I can speak from my experience. You kind of get to a point where you think it's normal. Like, yeah. Kind, yeah. Like, you, you accept, like, oh, this is just what happens to kids. Yes. And it's kind of crazy when you look back on it. As an adult, because you're like, your mind is so naive and so like innocent mm-hmm. that you kind of accept the things, and then when you finally realize that they're not okay, it's when other situations happen and you're like, wow, like that's actually a big no, <laughs> like yeah. that shouldn't be happening. So, um, your sister. So she came back over one time, and then um. I had brought, I said, oh, look, come over here, you know, come over here. It's funny or this and that, you know, and we went over to his house and he exposed himself to us in front of my sister. Like he pulled it out and I was like, you see, like, you know, yeah. and that was shocking for her. So I was like, but you can't say anything. And, um, she, it upset her like it really upset her yeah. and it upset her to the fact that she did say something so um it like caused a huge thing with my dad my dad went like crazy like mm-hmm. he rushed over to my house to come get us and he wanted to like kill him like an old yeah. man you know so i was so scared <laughs> like if you've ever met my dad, 
He's an OG. Yeah, he, 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 <laughs> he is a little scary. So it was like a big deal. Like he took me to his house and my stepmom, um, my sister's mom, um, we were in the room and she was like, you know, what happened? Blah, blah, blah. And I told her, well, he exposed himself to us, you know, this and that. And she asked me, like, has he ever done anything more to you? And at that moment, I wanted to say it mm -hmm. and I was going to, but I just like Fear. had a flashback of how crazy my dad was acting, like wanting to literally kill him that I was like, hell no, I cannot say yes, because that's just gonna, I, I've always been so much of like a care about other people's feelings yeah. that I just thought of the bigger picture like if I tell them right now what was happening what if my stepdad and my mom divorce what if they break uh, up what if it I don't know you, you know you were considering everybody else mm -hmm. and how just that little thing would just turn your whole world upside down yes so you did mention that you were also dealing with other stuff so what kind of other situations were going on during this time in your childhood? Like during the time when he was doing that or just in general? Like, like in general, in that period of your life. Um. Well, like after that situation when I could have said something, it was just, I just was like, no, I'm not saying this. Like the way my dad got so crazy, I am not going to say this. And then I feared not being believed like yeah. i'm a little kid what if they think i'm lying you know it was just it's weird like it's weird because you're just all over the place like you don't know that it's wrong then you think it's your fault mm -hmm. um so i mean that happened obviously i mean i went back home um and like i said he passed away like not that long after like i don't even remember how much longer after um plus they kind of just like brushed it off like okay, well, he's an old man. He probably knew what he was doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it was a mistake one time because they didn't know. So, um, but, I mean, like, growing up, um, it was just a lot of things, like, just dealing with things with my mom and then trying to battle what had happened to me yeah. that I literally just um, pushed it away. Like, I pushed it away, and then one day I told my best friend when we were in high school. And that was the first time I ever said it out loud yeah. and really thought back, like, wow, like, that happened. This is so weird to say. Like, I just can't believe it happened. And I still felt like, ugh, like, why didn't I stop him? Yeah. Why didn't I say no? Like, it is my fault. Like, it would it, go it's back something, and forth. Yeah, it's something that... I feel that most of us that have gone through abuse end up battling with ourselves like, well, why did I let it happen? Why didn't I just say something? So I, I can definitely understand you on that. And I mean, part. it definitely affected me as far as like, when I was in high school, I didn't have boyfriends like growing up because I just felt like, ugh, like, yeah. no, you know, don't touch me. Yeah. I mean, I like boys. But, <laughs> but at the time, plus yeah. two, I grew up in a small town. And when you grow up in a small town, you know everybody. So it's kind of weird. And honestly, I was a 
like when I was young, young, like in middle school, I was real awkward looking. <laughs> I was like an ugly duckling. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, so it was just not even. I didn't have no body. <laughs> And then I went to high school and people were like, AT, what happened to you? Like, where'd you get those boobs and that butt? It, that's, I don't know. But it was <laughs> You're just, like, first of all, I just... And then I, I was just... like real chola in high school and just <laughs> hanging out with the boys. But I think that's why I was just so like, I, I was kind of like the goofy clown Yeah. growing up with my friends. Like, I was a funny, crazy one that would just do funny things. And I think that's how I hid it. Like hid what I would deal with at home or inside internally, you know. You you would bring happiness to everybody else. Mm-hmm. So now as a teenager, tell me a little bit about your your teen years now. I mean my teen years were pretty good. Um, just as far as like my friends and my you know, my family like I say, like my family was good. It's just there was a lot of issues like I dealt with with my mom, but um I feel like I'm not ready yet to say that side yet. Mm-hmm. You know, um, me and her, we're close, and I think we still, but we still have things that we need to work through. Work through. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So let's talk about like your end of high school, kind of going into your early adulthood. I mean, so I think like things I went with, especially with the sexual abuse, it definitely was difficult in relationships. So, like, when I got out of high school, I did have a relationship um, with someone that I knew for a while. Like, you know, we're all in the same Mm -hmm. town. Um, We were together about four years almost. So I was about 18 going on 19 when we got together. Um, And it was young love I guess like um he just all over the place I mean he cheated on me a couple of times like you know when we would get into it I mean he would he would he was into drugs also and I would try to like get him out of that you know because I was not like that's just not my thing because I lived it it's been all around me all my life and I just it's so like you just know. you just didn't want that for him. Yes. So, um, but I mean, it was it was difficult, but I feel like I allowed that because I wasn't like, like it secure wasn't, with myself. It was just better than the situation you were coming from. Before. Yeah. So I mean, I. We would get into, like, physical fights. I mean, there was a time that he literally, like, dragged me by my hair out of my bedroom. Like, I thought I was going to, like, and, like, he threw me against the wall. Like, I thought I was going to die, you know? And to me, that was still not, like, oh, I need to leave, you know? Like, it's just we're so, we're so young and we're just, I, I feel like, in those situations, if you haven't been in situations like that, like on the outside looking in, you're like, what the hell? Like, you're dumb. Why didn't you just leave? Yeah. But until you've been in that situation, it's kind of hard to leave a situation like that. So I I can definitely understand, you know, you trying to justify like, well, at least it's not as bad. Yes. It's always like not as bad because... 
like with him, I helped him um, go to school and just helped him like get a car, you know. So finally, so at that time too, I had started working. Um, I had finished beauty school mm -hmm. and started working in Alamo Heights. And I started making really good money, you know. So um, I was really living on my own with him. But I mean, I did everything. And finally, he cheated on me again with like another rowdy person. And I just was like, no, like I'm done. Yeah. So I finally like had the strength to say, leave and don't come back. Yeah. Now that you're out of beauty school and you're working and you have le left this person, what what happens next? So I was still living. So even when I, I moved out of my mom's house when I was 18, but I still lived in Floresville. Like I mm -hmm. had an apartment in Floresville. So with that relationship, I had an apartment. So when I left him, I still stayed in Floresville. I had an apartment. And I was just like a single young girl um, working, you know, just trying to be better. I, I always wanted more. Like mm -hmm. um, growing up where I grew up, I wanted more. Like I always wanted to have just more. Like I don't know. Like not necessarily like a better life, but better than what you grew up with yeah and sometimes it's hard to say that because like it wasn't a horrible life like it wasn't on the streets or anything but it's still you know like just better yeah you just want i i think that that's or at least it should be everybody's goal not to be exactly in the same position but to be better than our parents were mm -hmm. or to be able to give ourselves things that you know our parents weren't able to give us and yeah. I don't think that's a bad thing at all. So then um and it's weird because I worked in Alamo Heights, drove back and forth to Floresville, you know, back and forth because at that time in my life I still was scared of change. I didn't want to move to San Antonio. I was so scared. I was like, yeah. no, like yeah right. I, like I wanted to stay in Floresville. I didn't want to change. I didn't think I want to go nowhere. You know, I'll just do that for the rest of my life. Drive back and forth. Um, then when I was 22, I had been working or 23, I was 23. I had been working at, um, in Alamo Heights already like three and a half years. So I was making really good money already. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's when I met my oldest daughter's dad. Mm -hmm. and um I was just out because my friends started going out a lot so I was out I met him and I think coming from like a small town being so like around the same people I still was very naive in relationships especially coming from one that was physical and emotionally abusive you know and then also going through what I went through so I was very naive very very naive mm -hmm. so when I met him you know he was in the military, he was going to like, be in the military. He just seemed so like, ooh, like cool. More, and... more, more secure, more established. Yes, mm -hmm. and it was more like, well, he has a job, so that's better yeah. than before, you know. Um, and he was a smooth talker, like very smooth talker, just knew the right things to say. And so I fell for it 
very easily. Like, I was very, like, oh, my God. Like, per- he, like he was able to persuade you pretty much. Super easy. Like, not even persuade. Like, he just, I was, okay, okay. You know, like. <laughs> I, I think I think it's safe to say that we have all been there at one point. Yeah. And I mean, and I was 23, so. I hadn't been with a lot of people. I mean, he was like the second relationship I had of a boyfriend and like the third sexually. So I was older. Like I didn't sleep around or have like a crazy 20s, you know, where I just was all over the place because I think of what happened to me. I was so like, it was hard for me. Yeah, it was hard for you. So now that he was able to kind of like sweep you off your feet, like did you guys start a relationship right away? We did, yeah. It it was pretty fast because um so shortly after I met him, he was going to Fort Benning to do like some training and then I literally took off of work and left with his mom and sister to drive to Georgia for like the day just to go see him and came back. And that was pretty early in yeah. our relationship. Like, um, so yeah, we definitely moved very fast. And then that's when he got orders to North Carolina. So, um, so by that time we were like dating, yeah. like official boyfriend, girlfriend. Um, so he would come, he would come home as much as he could. And then I would go up there to go see him, you know, and it was like back and forth, back and forth. So after about dating for like nine months, we got married and I was just like, oh my God. But I did see red flags before, like going into it. It's just, I'm telling you, I was super naive. It's like, it's like those red flags aren't red enough for us. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, but this is not that bad, you know, like, well, it's not like, oh, that can change, you know? So and it was it it was things that i i should have left because i mean he would get like crazy when he would drink like real crazy like act so stupid and like where i was like what the hell like are you doing um cheating you know usual shit like Mm -hmm. um so but I'm telling you I was so naive and just I think I just wanted like to feel like love so bad and secure and secure that I was like well maybe it'll change when we get married so we got married and then a month later I found out I was pregnant so we got married I was still here so we got married I stayed here because I wanted to I was uh in college while I was working. So I was doing part-time uh, school at Palo Alto. Okay. So I was going for business. Um, I found out I was pregnant with Eliana. And that, like, everything changed. Like, I just wanted to go to North Carolina. And he made it seem like he wanted me up there, too. Yeah. So because we were married, we were able to, in the military, then you're we able to live off base. So we got an apart. He got an apartment. And I moved up there in, like, November 2010. Yeah. And um, so I literally was, like, two months pregnant or something with Eliana. So I left. Like, I literally quit my job, 
left Floresville oh and moved to North Carolina. You, you didn't know anything. You were just like, you yeah. Ready. And for some reason, I just felt like, okay, I'm just going to do it. Like, fuck it. I'm young. And I'll figure it out with him, you know? And so I moved up there and it was okay. Like for me, it was like, oh, I'm married, I'm my husband. And, you yeah. know, um, but I didn't have my car up there with me yet. So I was really stuck in the house all the time. So when I was about four months pregnant, one day I'm like, cleaning the apartment and there's this like old phone right like a phone sitting there mm. and i'm like what is this because you know yeah you gotta look through everything yes. FBI. and i i get on it and i open it and i'm like what the fuck like so while i was gone like while i was still here working after we got married um i just saw like all these messages from other girls like mm him telling them like he wishes he wasn't married that this and that and i'm like wow i'm literally pregnant yeah with my first baby yeah so i was just like okay now that you find this phone and you're like pregnant and you're like what the fuck what do you do next i mean it was just hard because i wasn't working okay so like i came from working i i've been working since i was like 16 years old yeah. so to go from that to not working and relying on somebody in a different state away from my family super difficult and then that happened i was like wow are you kidding me so obviously like i call him and i'm like what the fuck and he rushes home and he's like oh my god you know same yeah. old same old like like i, I didn't mean, mean it, it. Yeah. yeah blah 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 and I was naive and dumb. And I was just like, okay, you know, um, fine, whatever. Like, we'll make it work. Like, yeah. we're just married. I, I kind of shrugged it off to, like, we hadn't been together, together, together that long. Yeah. So maybe it was just, like, the shock of... Cold feet or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then we're having a baby now. So we weren't planning on having a baby yet. Um... So there was a shock for that too, you yeah. know? So then Christmas time comes around. And by that point, I'm like five months, six months. And we come home. And um, we're home. And he's just acting so stupid. Like partying, uh. wanting to be out all the time with girls. Like. It's just ridiculous, like, right? Extreme disrespect. Extreme disrespect. So he leaves me in San Antonio and goes back to North Carolina. He's just like... Like, he literally bye. bought one ticket and left me here. So I was here and I was just like... What do I do next? Yeah, like depressed because I'm five months pregnant. I literally quit my job for him. To move now what am i gonna do yeah. like who's gonna hire me who's gonna you know so i was like applying at little dumb jobs yeah. trying to see if i could work but my mom was like don't worry like we'll help you you know whatever and during that time i mean honestly my mom and my dad were very supportive even though i knew they knew that he was a fucking asshole 
but they just wanted me to be okay and I would like cry and so I would like call him and he would um put his phone on like turn it off like block me so I couldn't call and one night um I think I'm having a miscarriage because I'm bleeding and I call the nurse and um, the nurse line, they're like, you need to come in. Like, that's that's not okay. Yeah. And I couldn't get a hold of him because he blocked me. So like, he, like you... I'm trying to call him to yeah. tell him that I'm going to the hospital like because I, I think I'm you. having a miscarriage and he wouldn't answer the phone. Like, he wouldn't answer the phone. He wouldn't um. answer my text. Um, so, you know, finally he answers and uh, whatever, like, trying to be like are you okay you know this and that i mean luckily everything was fine um but so yeah he left me in san antonio he's over there acting like a fool um i was so he's like we're talking but we're not like i don't know he was going back and forth and you know i'm on social media looking at his stuff and i see all these girls i crack the code and get in and i see all these girls like that he's with or I don't messing know like messing with. around with yeah so I um when I'm like seven months pregnant I'm like okay what are we gonna do like are we gonna be together or we're gonna divorce like I don't know what we're doing I'm still stuck here in San Antonio like are you gonna bring me back up there and he would just kind of say things to like lead me on like well yeah yeah I'm trying to bring you back up here I'm trying to bring you back up mm-hmm. here so I would believe him like a dummy and just kind of like wait around and then, um, so one day I'm like, well, I'm going to come see you. And he's like, well, no, you know, like trying to make an excuse. I'm yeah. like, well, I already bought the ticket. And he got so mad at me. Like he went off on me for <laughs> buying a ticket, a one-way ticket. He just didn't want you to. He did not want me to come. He just didn't want you to interrupt his, mm-hmm. his life. Bought your ticket. He went off and I was like, okay, that's like my sign, like that he's like, well, obviously he was doing being something wrong, but like he completely went off. So I luckily had just bought the ticket 24 hours. So I was able to refund it. Yeah. So finally, like my mom and them had it and they were like, no, like call his commander. Like that's bullshit. Like he's not even helping you. Like he wouldn't even help me pay anything you know like help me with anything so I finally pick up the phone and call his commander and I'm telling his commander everything like I've been stuck here he left me here he won't bring me back I've been wanting to come back and he's like what um he told me that you that you left him and that you didn't want to be married anymore I'm like what I said, I didn't leave him. He left me here. I Cause, said, because it's better for him, right? Because he's in the military. Like, if you're the one that leaves, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I mean, because they don't really approve of like infidelity and affairs and all that, you know. So I said, well, I bought a plane ticket, and he got mad at me and told me to cancel it. So I did, and he said, all right, send me that receipt for that plane ticket and send me the like the email that you canceled it, so I can when I bring him in here, I can talk to him. So I did, and they, like, busted him in his lies. Like, he he is such a pathological liar, it's not even funny. Like, uh-huh. he would totally make it seem like I'm crazy, like, that he told them that I didn't want to be, that I'm, like, I'm the one that left him. Yeah. When I've been over here, like, depressed, my like, whole pregnancy, yeah, crying, you know. 
And um, so then, like, two days later, oh, because the commander was like, okay, so if he doesn't want to be married to you, then he's going to have to pay you uh, alimony. Mm-hmm, like, a, like, a sp- like, since we're in different Spouse states, support. because when you're in different states, you he has to pay you because they're in the military. Uh-huh. So, because they get VAH for their family, which is, like, extra money. And oh, they get okay, it because okay, of, okay. he's getting it because of me, because we're married. And then, But right now, baby. he's getting it and living it up and not helping me. Oh. So he was going to have to send me, like, I don't know, like $700 a month. So then he rather not do that. He told me to come uh. back. But I'm over here thinking, like, oh, he, oh, wants, he wants me back. back. Wow. So I went, right? So I'm eight months pregnant, thinking I'm about to have the baby in San Antonio. And I go back to North Carolina. I mean, even when I go to the apartment that he got when I was gone... It's like a one-bedroom, small apartment. I walk in, right? Like, he hasn't bought nothing for the baby since I've been at home in San Antonio. Nothing, right? Tell me why I walk in, and he has, like, a whole new DJ set. I don't know what he was trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's like so boy, you were trying like, to live a little... Like, there's no furniture, yeah. you know, for the baby. Wow. There's nothing for her, but he has... A DJ. Like, so, what are you trying to like, DJ yourself out of the situation? I don't know. He's trying to be Polly D back then. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so, then I open the cabinets and I see a box. No, not a box. I see this little paper that's like a little insert uh-huh. that you get like in a box of condoms. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, like how to do a condom. Yeah. And I'm like, whose is this? And he, he was like, oh, um well those were mine I was like why did you need condoms for and he was like saying that when he jacks off he uses a condom yeah yeah, but that's how dumb I was that I stayed Mm. that's how dumb I was that I stayed you're like like whatever it's okay we've all been there we've all been there (laughs) (laughs) like I know we I know all of us right now are listening like girl cringing (laughs) yeah cringing cringing because we've all been in situations where we're like yeah oh man fast forward a little bit now that eliana is born yeah well she was born i mean even that was horrible the experience for me because he was drunk and he didn't want to take me i told him i'm in labor and he was like just go lay down go take Tylenol. and i'm like i think i'm in labor and he was so drunk that he didn't want to drive me and i couldn't drive because i didn't have my car and his car was standard so he's drunk in there while I'm having her, but whatever, you know, move on. Um, so, I mean, we just kind of, like, keep living our life there. I mean, just dealing with bullshit. I dealt with so much bullshit, it's ridiculous. Like, I mean, I would even, like, run into people with him when we would go to the commissary or even his peers. And I'm telling you, no lie, like, four times someone different people came up to him when he would be like, oh, this is my wife and my daughter. And they would be like, you're married? In front of me. And I was, I was like, what the fuck? Like, do you just not tell people you're married? Like, nah, he wouldn't, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I just, as I'm saying this out loud, I just think, wow, I, I was literally such a dumbass. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it's okay, friend. We all have been there. But, you know, I mean... I'm telling y'all my truth. Like, it is what it is. It was a past. So, 
you know, whatever. We we just had a tumultuous relationship. I mean, it was just horrible. Just cheating. Um, also, as well, physical altercations. Um, there was one time that he literally did choke me so bad that Eliana was, like, not quite a year old, but almost. And he was choking me so bad that I literally stopped fighting and thought I was just going to die. Like, there's just no point in me fighting. But then Eliana, like, woke up and cried. And that's what, like, got him off of me. Like but I literally just stopped fighting and just laid there on the floor, like, letting him. Because I was just like, I'm tired. I'm done, you know? Um, It was just crazy. Like, it was just so crazy. Um, But, so, people always think like I'm just so strong but I, I had a lot of years of building being the, weak yeah. you know like being weak letting people run over me well I'm gonna stop you right there because I, I feel like that's not being weak that <laughs> that that is unfortunately the situations that happen to us that at the time is just our minds don't understand it and you know that's not a sign of weakness if anything, yeah. that's his. That was his weakness that he wasn't man enough to True. treat you right. And, and she was my strength too because I would like you know. Um, so we like tried. We so then like we we would like try and we it was just crazy you know. Um, but then I started. Go, I went so the military gives you free counseling. Uh-huh. So I I went to counseling and. It's weird because the counselor guy, like, he was talking with me and he was like, there's something you're not telling me. Like, I feel like there's something you're not telling me. And I'm like, no, I'm telling you everything because I hadn't told him about what happened to me when I was sexually abused, right? And he was like, no, like, there's something you're not saying and you need to say it. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> I kind of feel like that moment when I was young and my stepmom asked me, like, what else was being, was like, there do I, do I say it or do I not? Yeah, yeah. Like, it literally brought it back up because I had it hidden for so long, mm-hmm. you know? Like, so I finally said it. And that was the first time in my adult life and the second time in my life that I said it out loud no. and started talking about what happened. It was just so weird so weird oh now that the counselor was able to get you to open up how did you like how did you deal and process everything like did he help you through it so that's like how you tell me like when did I know it was like wrong or that it wasn't my fault that's when when I would talk with him Mm -hmm. um that's when I finally realized at like what like 24 years old that it wasn't my fault and he honestly wanted me to like press charges on him or do but I was like he's dead so I can and he was like oh okay but that's when I literally finally realized that it wasn't my My fault and um that it it wasn't my fault, even though I didn't say no. Yeah. You know? So, but it just, that just opened up a whole can of worms. Like, for me, because I was just like, wow. Like, now I have to really work through it. Work through this. Um, 
I only saw that account for like a couple of times because then I just stopped going because I was dealing with a lot with Eliana's dad. Mm-hmm. And then um, like the year after when I was 25, that's when I was starting to uh, leave, yeah. like to come back home to like divorce him and all that. So uh, I was like getting ready for like trying to save money and yeah. all that. But I don't know. I feel like that moment when I finally said it again is when it's weird because I feel like I had it under control for so long. And then I feel like that kind of knocked me back down. Yeah. Like it, it, it because you, you suppress it so much that when you do bring it up, it, it kind of feels fresh again. Yeah. Like it was like, 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 yeah. Like you just brought this shit up after I've done blacked it out for so long and now I got to really deal with it. Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of, I mean, and I, I dealt with it kind of on my own, I guess. Like I, because like for me, it was like, he's dead. There's nothing I can do. Like close your wise. But I still had that. Um, I don't know how to say like, I mean, because I, nobody knew, like I never told my parents. So that always still bothered me and they would bring him up still like, mm. you know, Oh, remember this? And I was just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, like rolling my eyes, like, but they had no idea. Yeah, they still. had no idea. So it just was difficult. And then I was going through a divorce. Um, I, but that was when I realized my strength. Like when I came back with Eliana and um, started my life all over. That's, first of all, being in North Carolina, knowing nobody, I finally got a job over there in a salon. I was making really good money, made new friends. So that's when I felt like I can do anything anywhere. Like I'm fine. I don't have to stay in Floresville. I don't have to stay in a small town. Like, I can literally boss up anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's, it's basically what yeah. you Yeah, and um, that was just, like, the beginning, I think, of my journey on being stronger, even when it comes to my parents, because, you know, I've always let them just kind of dictate me, or I would not speak up. Mm-hmm. Like, I always felt like those are my parents, like, I can't say anything back, like, no matter what they say, I just have to take it, like, let it go in one ear, out the other. I was always so worried about what they would think say or, or think. say, but as things, like, as my life progressed when I came home, like, I started getting stronger and stronger and... Setting um, boundaries, right? Yeah, yes, setting boundaries. <laughs> so once you started to set boundaries with your parents... And now that you're back home and you're working and stuff, like, is that when your, like, official, like, hair by a blonde journey started? Yes, because, I mean, I came home, and most people know that part of my story the most because I've spoken about it um, just from the single mom point of view to help single moms and people who think that you cannot make it with by yourself. You know, like I came back with Eliana, I had to move back in with my mom and it was hard because I was 26 years old or I was turning 26 and um, just 
having to just, ha I had nothing. I had nothing with me. I had my little car and I had to work three jobs, you know, get an apartment, uh, figure it out. And then when I finally moved on my own, um, in the suite and then I had to deal with that when I had a partner and then that fell apart. So I'd start over right, again, again, you know, um, at that time. And even then, when I first moved into my into the suite with my partner, I was I had already met been with Carlos like two years, and uh, we were pregnant with Bella, so I was pregnant. You know, I, I only took off of work with her for only four weeks. I went right back to work because I couldn't take off. I mean, we were struggling financially and everything, and um, but it literally took me till. Um, let's see, I just turned 36, so, till I was 34 to finally put my foot down with my family and finally say what happened to me. Like, I finally told my mom, and it took till I was, like, 34. Like, that was a long time, time. of holding it in, you know? And I feel like for most people, it it literally takes a long time to, like just process it within yourself and then finally you build the courage to speak your story and and share with your loved ones like hey this happened and mm -hmm. like i didn't say anything but like this affected me and now i'm okay to where i can share it with you and so when you did open up to them what did they like say to you i mean the first well, it was just my mom, um, and we were having our own issues, so I had set my boundaries, and I got fed up and cut her off. <laughs> I mean, that's just what it is. Like, I, I had to just, like... You need a space. Space, yes. So when I finally... Um, when I found out I was pregnant with Gianna, I, at the time, was not talking to my mom. Um, but I didn't want to tell her I was pregnant yet until I told her everything, everything I wanted to say. And one of those things being what happened to me with uh, my brother's grandpa. Hmm. Um, so I wrote it. I wrote a letter and I wrote it out and it was scary, <laughs> but yeah. nerve wracking, but also like. Uh, liberating, you know, like, ugh, like, like this heavy weight is off of me now. because that's why I never could tell that part of my story because I always felt like I need to tell my mom first before mm -hmm. I can say it. But I also felt like I want to say it to people so that they know that they're not alone, alone. um, and educate people on that because people think it's always strangers and yeah. it's usually never a stranger that does these things to you. And it's usually the per the people that are most closest to you that end up being the abuser. Yeah. So now that you have wrote this letter and like you have this big weight off of your shoulders, what does your mom say when you finally confess to her? I mean, she just said, like, why didn't I tell her back then? Why did I hold it in? 
basically that and I mean I just didn't feel like I could say anything back then you know like I was a kid I was worried that it would break my family apart and honestly it would have yeah like I think it would have it, it, it definitely would have caused you know I especially with your step uh your stepdad and your mm -hmm. mom because yeah I feel like depending on how their relationship was maybe your stepdad would have taken his dad's side or I don't know but I know it would have ruined my family and I just felt like you know what I'll carry that burden to stay and just deal with it yeah. I don't know it's weird how you're a kid and you just think like you make an adult decision right without even knowing yeah. like it was like I had two choices like two paths and I just chose to keep it a secret and just act like I don't know everything's cool you know yeah would you say that after you told her your your life was starting to feel like more better in a sense like more better things were happening for you because you finally had that big weight off of you yeah i just felt like stronger i felt like um like okay this is not this is finally like not in the back of my mind mm -hmm. or like you know oh, like am i ever gonna say it like am i ever gonna tell them like it just was like oh something that out. you you stressed about a lot it, it yeah it, it's it's weird because for years i did not think it affected me like mm -hmm. i always felt like it didn't like i'm fine i'm fine but now at this age looking back at everything i've been through everything i've done choices just i don't know it did but i didn't realize it at the time mm -hmm. even sometimes i feel like um even though I love to help people and I like to, and I'm a, I can be very compassionate. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is hard for me to empathize with people when they use their struggles as an excuse to like do bad or not better themselves. Yeah. You know, because I think like I've been through, I've been through yeah. shit and I don't do drugs. I don't do this. I don't do that. Like, I kind of look at some people's lives like as excuses, I guess. Yeah. I don't know how to say it. Like, it's hard because I empathize, but then I also feel like, well, get over it. Like, it's, it's a pass. Like, why are you using that, like, as a crutch to yeah. not, like, so it, it has affected, affected your... me, like, the way my mind things sometimes. like your perspective on things sometimes. yeah like my perspective yeah mm -hmm. and sometimes I feel bad because um when people like sometimes will tell me things I can just literally like just kind of like not I guess show emotion like kind of brush it off a bit not brush it off but just I don't I I'm, I, I feel like people like I look like I'm just like no emotion but mm -hmm. it's just because I'm just like I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's weird. I, I guess it's because I don't see it from you because I'm your friend. Mm -hmm. But I, I understand what you're saying. Because um, there are people in my life that I can say are like that, that they're just like, okay. <laughs> like, I like, just say, like, I don't know. It's weird because 
I can be a crybaby sometimes, but for the most part, I'm not. Like, I just kind of like, just kind of stay neutral. My face just kind of like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) just like, like black. Yeah, like blank. (laughs) So, would you say now that you know it's off your shoulders, it's out in the open, you're more like open about it with your current relationship now was it hard to like share those things with carlos um yes in the beginning it was because first of all i was coming out of a horrible marriage um trying to rebuild my life when i met him i literally still had nothing um uh i was still uh, legally married as well because I couldn't afford a divorce yet. We had barely been separated over a year, but I just couldn't afford to pay for a divorce. I was getting my car repoed. Like, yeah. you know, that's when we were to get when we were dating. And um, it, it was hard to think about, like, I'm going to have to tell him, like, or, or I want to tell him, you know, I want to be able to share with him things about my past and I finally did and it felt good to open up to now a third person you know Mm -hmm. because he was like the third person I told so it was like my best friend the therapist and then him so it was like a little more like that little bit of liberation of saying it to someone else now like out loud and you know not being afraid would you say that with him being uh, another person that you've told and because you guys are intimate and everything, did he really help, like, kind of build your strength up as your partner when you did open up about it? I really can't remember, like, how when I told him. I mean, definitely I felt like easy telling him like Mm -hmm. he didn't make me feel weird or um like what you know Mm -hmm. it was just kind of like I could just say it and it was he just made it more comfortable to be open to, to say it yeah and then it I think um made him more aware of why with some things I'm the way I am like just sometimes when he would touch me, I was like, like inside, it would be like, ugh, like, yeah. like rubbing my leg real slow. I, like inside, I'm like, but it's because I was like triggered, yeah, you know. So I would tell him like sometimes it feels like that because of this, you know, yeah. and that's when I finally had to like open up and say why. Yeah, you know? I I think that's definitely something that I can relate to as far as like with my partner. It is hard to like open up about things because certain things do trigger you, even mm-hmm. though you know that you're loved and you're safe with your person. It's like there's certain things while you're being intimate with them that you're like, oh, yes, that I, trigger you. I and don't you like don't, that. And it's like sucks because your mind goes to that bad Moment. place and mm-hmm. it's like, ugh, like you it literally sometimes would make me physically nauseous. Mm-hmm. Like, just, ugh. Like, yeah, no. Mm-hmm. I, I totally understand you on that. Because I feel like 
I myself, there are moments where I'm like, oh, yeah, like I didn't like that. Like, you know what? That was such a turn on. Like, just stop. But at the same time, that's why I kind of sometimes was mad that I talked to the therapist because I felt like I was fine before mm-hmm. and I wasn't. But I just felt like because I blacked it out so much mm-hmm. that having to bring it up brought it up. And I was just like, damn it. Now what do like, I do with now, it? Now, yeah. Like, what the hell? Yeah. No, no, I definitely mm-hmm. feel like it does happen especially because you suppress it so much that you haven't really dealt with it that it's like now it's out in the open and you're like well, what do i do with this now yeah that's why i felt more like okay now it's time to say it to everybody everybody now <laughs> now that you have opened up about your story to people And, you know, you being so successful now and, like, you know, finding strength with all the situations that you've been through and pushing through them and where you are now, what is one thing that you would tell somebody that is going through something similar or has gone through something similar? Hmm, that's hard. I mean, I would just say... It's hard. It's hard because I feel like we all deal with it different and just say it when you're ready. Like, don't feel pressured, I guess. And when when you're ready to talk about it, you, you'll know. Yeah. And also that it's never your fault. Like, I feel like that's the number one thing. Um, And I think for me, honestly, it's now just trying to uh, be more open with my daughters. Yeah. Like, I want them to be able to come to me or Carlos with things like this because I wasn't able to because I felt scared. You know, like, I felt like I was going to get in trouble, whatever. I don't want them to feel like that. Like, I want them, if something happens to them, which I hope not, but if it did, I really hope that they would tell me right away because I think if I would have been able to say it right away, no matter what it would have done to my family, it would have um, helped me. Yeah. Or And it would have stopped yeah. sooner. Like, it wouldn't have gone, gone on for those years, you know? Like, it wasn't just a one-time thing. It wasn't a two-time thing. It was... Years. Well, yeah, yeah. Years. And what would you say or what advice would you give parents like because you've been through abuse, what are one of the tips you would give a parent to tell their child as far as like having that open communication in case something was to happen? I would say Find a way to communicate to where your kid feels safe to tell you something. You know, I feel like I'm more of like a letter writer. I can say more of my feelings in a letter than I can out loud. I, you know, so just find that way that your child communicates and talk with them through there like if it's sitting down with them and playing the video game with them and then just letting them kind of talk and mm-hmm. feel safe to talk to you or 
or writing a letter to them and then they write a letter back to you, you know, like just be open and cautious. I mean, who would have thought like yeah. a grandpa, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's like who you need to be aware of people around you and not just be so like, that would never happen. Oh, uh, they're me. fine. Yeah. You know, um, which it is hard for me now too. Like I don't trust people. I think everything like is wrong. Yeah. You know, like it's no, but yeah. it's like, you, you gotta just be balanced. Like, I mean, I'm kind of a little overly like who, who's that or who are you? <laughs> but you gotta be cautious too. Like you can't be yeah. just naive and think that, you know, everyone's just cool. You don't know. Like yeah. it, it literally can be, it, it can happen anytime, anywhere with anybody. And it's shocking because you think that person will never do that. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining me. Um, thank you guys for tuning in and listening to our episode. If you don't already, follow us on Instagram at Hepatalk. And you can also find Atalaya at Hair by a Blonde. Um, if you haven't, please rate, review, and share this podcast with anybody. And again, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Um, feel um, like if I was going to tell my story, the part that's always missing, this would have been the best place to do it first. And I'm just thankful that you feel comfortable and safe enough to do it. So thank you so much. Thanks. And I love you so much, friend. And <laughs> I will see you guys next time. <laughs>